Hey there, baddies. Welcome to Bad Witch Podcast, the podcast where we are going to get our witch shit together one spell at a time. Can you believe it, girls? We're on episode 44, I think, which means we're less than 10 away from a full year, which is insane. I can't believe that we're almost at a year. Well, we're creeping up on it. I can't believe it's almost 2020. I can't believe that it's almost Thanksgiving here in the States, whether or not you celebrate, up to you. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I can't believe that um, it's the last day of Mercury in retrograde. And we all made it. (laughs) Did we all make it? I hope so. Um, You know, even I was catching up with one of my, my, my oldest, not one of my oldest, oldest friend in the world and one of my best friends. You know, she's not even a witch, doesn't consider herself a witch, like dabbles just here and there. She'll let me bring her some selenite. She'll let me bring her some sage every so often. She'll let me give her a crystal or two. And even she was like, this has been the craziest Mercury and retrograde period I have ever experienced. It started on October 15th. Like it came roaring in so early. And yeah, so it's not just us and the magical community. It has been I mean, I was going to say nationwide and I felt that was dramatic, but I feel like it has been nationwide and international and intergalactic. It's just been intense, but we made it to the last day. You'll be hearing this on like officially the end, sign still delivered, get it the hell out of here, ship it away somewhere else. Of course, we do have a bit of a shadow period to contend with, but I am of two minds with that. (laughs) I think it's either going to be another whopper of a shadow period or I think because this is the last one of the year the last one of the decade it may really ease up on us and finally just remove foot from neck (laughs) we can move on to something greater going into the end of our wheel and going into the end of 2019 and the end of the 2010s which does that sound insane? No, everyone um, on like social media has been sharing me in, tw- uh, tw- ugh, don't know how to say it, <laughs> me in 2009 versus me in 2019. And I don't have any pictures of myself from 2009 because I don't feel like I was a person until I became a blogger. So I only have pictures from then when I like knew how to do my hair and makeup. But just seeing like in those terms, the vast difference 10 years makes, it kind it doesn't kind of, it really blows your mind. Maybe we should do something like that, like a retrospective of what kind of witch I was in 2009 and what kind of witch I am in 2019. I don't know. Would that be fun? If you think so, uh, post some pictures up of what your practice was like or tell a story about what you're doing in 2009. What? How old was I in 2009? Who knows? Uh, I was 22. So I wasn't practicing any witchcraft. I was just getting out of college, moving to New York. Oh, no, that's not true. When I was 22, I moved to New York. And that is when I found enchantments for the first time, which I keep needing to look up if that's actually the name and keep forgetting. God is blessed. But I'm pretty sure that's it in the East Village. And that is the first time I found Scorpio oil. So I was doing a little something something, even if it wasn't actual full-blown witchcraft, which, you know, on days we're still not doing that because we're bad witches. I was still at least dabbling and dabbing because I was wearing it (laughs) a little bit even though at the time it was more about like the pursuit of a romantic relationship versus embracing my witchness but look 10 years later we got a whole podcast baby so we really have all grown so yeah if you want to do some kind of like little witchy retrospective for the past 10 years and kind of share your journey with us in the Facebook group feel free and uh speaking of oil did you do your homework I hope so and I hope it was very easy Because, you know, you didn't necessarily have to make the oil or necessarily have to do a love spell or necessarily have to take 
a, a big cleansing love bath and do a huge ritual. But I hope you did all just take a little bit of time. I was going to say to enjoy the view. <laughs> I don't even watch the view. It's just like too much of pop culture. But I hope you all did take a little bit of time just to love on yourselves and receive love and give love, make yourself feel love, enjoy just the totality of love and the concept of love. And, you know, whatever that looks like for you, if it's going to a movie, if it's getting a pedicure, if it's snuggling with your pet, if it's um, not throwing a dish towel at your husband when he annoys you, <laughs> if it's reading your kids a bedtime story or letting them uh, touch your crystals and teaching them about it, or, you know, whatever that looks like. I just hope that everyone really felt the love this week. I was sending y'all tremendous love. I was definitely feeling the love bouncing back to me. Um, oh, and also just thank you so much because so many people responded really positively to that episode. And, uh, you know, it makes your girl feel loved when that happens, when you tell me that you really enjoyed it for XYZ reason. I love the feedback. Um, as long as it's positive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I always make this joke about being a Pisces because we are hypersensitive. And as you know, I'm all water. And um, I find that Pisces in particular are really bad at receiving criticism. And I think me being a Pisces son plus me growing up like a gifted kid and kind of, uh, kind of in a sense, like on an accelerated track, like academically and with like all the things I was involved with, like piano and dance and stuff. I kind of, for a time period, like a lot of kids in the gifted kind of realm, um, excelled at a lot of things and then I did it. So <laughs> the pressure became too much. So yeah, um, I just really appreciate the feedback that y'all love that episode because it really came from a loving place with me. And so I'm, I'm glad that you felt that love and I'm glad that it resonated with you. So speaking of love, again, I hope you all did your homework. I, okay, so I told you I got a love candle, right? That I accidentally extinguished because bad witch. Um, and I told you I got a soulmate candle and the soulmate candle was more just a, Hey, I'm letting you know that you need to bring me home. Right. I told you all about all that. I am update. Here's update time. I am pretty sure that my love candle is bullying me. I mean, my soulmate candle is bullying me. Okay, so first of all, the first time I spied it was on the website when I was, knew I was going to LA and I was like trying to pick out what candles I wanted to get so I wasn't in the witch store for two hours. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, LA, your girl's got stuff to do and places to go and can't be caught in traffic. But um, so I was looking at the website, that was the first time I saw it. And it really did pique my interest then because when I was in LA full time, they didn't have that one. So I was like, hmm, what's that all about? So then I get to the store and I told y'all the story. I kept picking it up, putting it down, walking away over and over again until I was like, okay, message received. You have to come home with me. And now, um, this, the pact I made with myself is you can light your soulmate candle when you feel like you are in a place to receive some kind of soulmate relationship. So I lit the love candle first because, you know, I was telling you, I was all about love and I was feeling it and I wanted to surround myself with it. Just all types of the vast ways we can express and receive love. But soulmate is like specific to me. That is calling a person versus an emotion or a vibe or an energy. So with myself, I was like, listen, you need to get all of this shit together that you need to do where you feel like you are ready to receive a soulmate because you're asking for something big. You're asking for a partner, a match a core to be struck, like a true relationship. So I've had it off to the side. And I was like, this could be six months from now. This could be a year from now. This could be five years from now. <laughs> Who knows when I'll actually get my life together. 
<laughs> will that happen? Stay tuned. But I uh, have been dreaming about this candle. And the dreams that I am having is the candle is like, open me up. I'm taking the lid off. I am smelling the candle. I am light. I'm seeing myself light the candle. And last night's was so intense. So I pulled the lid off in my dream uh, of, of my candle. And when I pulled it off, just like this salty, sandy kind of mixture fell all around it and kind of formed a circle as if it was casting its own circle. And the smell of it, it smelled like, I can't even really describe it. But when I was smelling it in my dream, I was like, this is my favorite smell in the world. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> like, I don't have a name for it. But the closest I can come to is that the texture of like the sandy saltiness was like being at the ocean. And the smell was like the ocean. But times a hundred. It it just enveloped me. It was just the most intoxicating smell I have ever experienced. It was like clean, but salty, but fresh and water, then elemental and fiery a little bit. And I don't know. It was insane. So in this dream, I'm opening the candle. All of this goodness spills out. It forms its own circle and I am lighting it. So I don't think this candle is bullying me into using it. So I don't know. i I feel like I should light it, but I don't 100% feel like I'm in the place to call a soulmate. I don't feel like I'm ready for that kind of attachment. Not, yeah, that's the thing too. Like, I don't feel like I'm where I want to be to call in that kind of relationship. And also I, with a person, and I also don't feel like I'm in the place where I, I want that kind of intensity in a relationship and that kind of like, hey, it's here. Like, you got to get on board because this is it, you know? Um, but I think I might light it because it's bullying me <laughs> too. So I will keep you posted on that. Um, yeah, if anyone has any advice about that, like if your candle is calling to you that strongly, does that mean it's time to light it? Cause that's what I'm taking it as. And if you've had a similar experience, let me know how it went for you. Because the thing about magic and witchcraft and being a witch and all this stuff is that we think we know everything, right? Because we're intuitive, we read cards, we have this connection to the earth and to the universe that is so much stronger than a lot of people's. And we're, we so deeply have that intuition that we're like, yeah, I know, I got it. I saw it. I'm an Oracle. But like, what do we know? <laughs> you know? Like, there are several times a week when I'm smacked in the face with you are still a work in progress and you're still learning and you don't know anything and the universe will trip you up and it will totally flip you upside down if that's what it chooses to do. So maybe, maybe the universe or the candle itself is telling me you need to trust my timing on this because the timing that I'm presenting to you is the correct timing and not be so obsessed and consumed with the timing that you are trying to put into place because you're worried about perfection and I'm worried about delivering this thing to you that you're ready for, even if you don't know it yet. You know, we talked about Una and timing and pacing and easy does it. And when that card came up, it was in the episode. Um, so not the love episode, but one before that where Mercury versus our next where I could barely speak. You know, she came out and she was saying, you're going to get where you need to go. Don't worry about the end of all this. Enjoy the path. Enjoy the lessons. Enjoy the growth. So I've been telling myself that, like, don't light the candle right now. Don't be the most impatient person because you always are. Impatience is the thing the universe is constantly trying to teach me. But in this one instance, it's almost like I can hear this candle screaming at me like, girl, light us already. So that's where I am magically this week. 
<laughs> if you have had that same experience, let me know. Cause I really, I feel like I need some advice. Like, should I trust the candle and trust the timing that is being placed before me? Or should I trust my own timing? I feel like the answer is trust that timing because it obviously knows better than me. But um, I don't know. I'm a little stuck. And watch tomorrow when this goes out. I'll be, have a picture up and I'll be like, hey guys, I look a candle. <laughs> but, you know, we'll not, we don't know. Maybe I'll wait for like one more sign and we'll go from there. But anyway, so this week... I wanted to talk about being an empath because I feel like it's a buzzword right now, especially with, um, if you happen to know who Summer Walker is, she is this musician and artist, incredible singer who just has exploded recently. She has, her album was everywhere and it's on everyone's lips and everyone is just like all about Summer Walker, which is, it's been pretty phenomenal to watch. And, you know, I'm not a very big fan of music, which I know is so weird, but, um, I mean, even I obviously keep up with pop culture a lot. So I've been watching her and watching her story and watching her, her journey. And a thing that's come up recently with her is that she had a bit of a, her fluffle in a few ways. One was that people don't like the energy that she gives out on stage. I think she looks bored. She looks despondent. Like she'd rather be anywhere else. But the big story last week, which we actually really kind of talked about in the Facebook group and I love the discussion we had about it was that she came out and was like, listen, I appreciate that back up. One thing impo that's important to know about her is she has come forward and said that she has severe social anxiety, that she is very much an introvert. And also she is a witch. I think like she posted her alter on Instagram. So I'm going with it. So that's cool. Oh, uh, you know, shout out another one of us is out there. Good to know. But she um, ha was having these meet and greets and she posted because she got some backlash for not like wanting to hug fans and wanting, not even so much not wanting to hug fans, but the fans that paid for the meet and greet felt like she was giving off the same kind of, I'd rather be anywhere else. I'm very bored. Uh, don't touch me. Don't, I'm not even going to speak to you or look to you energy. So this is obviously kind of a case of like, she said, or she said, we don't know exactly what's happening when these people interact with each other. But all that to say, Summer posted on Instagram and was like, listen, I'm an empath. I need y'all to respect my boundaries. If you touch me and I'm touching all of these people, she said something along the lines of like, it will literally kill me. Like people are faking the funk out here and you are taking that energy and I cannot handle it. So you know, the word empath has been thrown around in the past couple of weeks because of that happening and because she's become like this huge star overnight. But also I feel like it's a word like witchcraft or magic or saying that you're a witch that has become really popular in the last five, three to five years where everyone will say it, even if they might not be one. So disclaimer, I'm not saying that Summer Walker isn't an empath. I believe that she is and whatever she says, she is, she is. But I have noticed, um, or I shouldn't say but, because I don't want to like negate the thing I just said. However, I have noticed in other cases where people, especially online, where everyone's crazy online, right? Including us. We are the weirdos. Um, <coughs> excuse me, y'all. They will say, I'm an empath, and then say something crazy afterwards or say something that's just like loony or bullshit afterwards and I just think it's one of those buzzwords right like it's cool to say you're an empath it means you're hippie chic and you're in touch with the world and you really feel things and you're so sensitive and evolved and I see the same thing with people being like oh I'm a witch oh I I'm really into witchcraft but like meanwhile 
have you ever cast a spell? Do you have one crystal? Do you, have you ever, you know, tapped into your natural magic or dabbled in witchcraft at all? Or do you like the aesthetic value that witchcraft presents? Do you like the, the fact that it's cool to be a witch right now? It's trendy. Like we can't escape that. Even though witches have been around literally since the dawn of literal time, it is, probably the time period in which we have been the least persecuted and the time period in which we have been the most sought after in like a trendy way where everyone wants to be this thing. So, and also let me say, I'm not someone that polices who is a witch or who isn't a witch. That's not up to me. And how, how would I even know? Just because, and I've said this, you know, before, just because you don't actively practice witchcraft doesn't mean you're not a witch. I could never do another spell or ritual or anything again, but I am a witch because that is what I naturally am. I was born into this world as a witch. So, let me say that. I'm not trying to police it from anyone, but I do think it's something that's become trendy to say. I think empath is something that has become really trendy to say that you are without actually being either or actually even knowing what is entailed in being either. I think if you go all the way back to the very first episode of this podcast, don't 100% quote me on that because I can't remember everything I ever say or anything I ever say, but I talked about being an empath and it is exhausting. I find it exhausting. I find it draining. I find that it takes a whole lot out of you. And I think I may have even said in that first episode or in that first couple of episodes that that is the thing out of all the things that I am that I would maybe want to, I don't want to say I'd want to give it away or, or lose it, but it's the thing that I wish was a little quieter for me because I feel it very strongly and it just affects me all the, it affects us all the time thus empaths out there and the witchcraft and the empath thing do definitely go hand in hand it is an intuitive quality that we have so yeah I thought it'd be really cool this week to talk about what is an empath and what makes you an empath and what are the signs you know just help me have that episode of like what are the signs that you're a witch we're gonna talk about what are the signs that you are an empath baby because it is out here so let's talk about it and also talk about ways that we as empaths can protect ourselves because we definitely need to be doing that um gosh and this is such a good time too because like I said we're going into Thanksgiving here in the states and then we have Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate uh, right after that and of course Yule but um I think it's a good time to bolster up our empath knowledge and how to protect ourselves, especially because we will be around family and there will be discussions, I'm sure, of politics and uh, the way the world's going and is global warming a real thing? And, oh, uh, I heard you're a witch. What's that all about? And, oh, are you still single? Oh, y'all have been married for a year. Any word about a baby? Just, we're going to get drained. That's what happens. <laughs> I don't know if there's a worse time for empaths than the holidays. So there is no time like the present to identify it in yourself if it's something that you've been questioning or if you know that you're an empath already to see other signs and ways that it affects you and definitely, definitely how to protect ourselves and our magic and our energy. So we're not the ones that accidentally, you know, throw cans, cranberry uh, sauce at someone or, act oh, whoops, accidentally pricked you with the turkey knife. <laughs> Sorry about that. Whoops, accidentally hit you with the mashed potato masher. My bad. So to save ourselves from any, well, we can't necessarily save ourselves from any unple unpleasant interactions during the holidays. We can certainly still make it not as unpleasant for us overall. So yeah, 
all things empath today, but real quick, let's do our Patreon shout outs. We have two new sign ups, y'all. I'm so excited. So an extra special thank you to Alexis, Katrina, Maria, <laughs> I felt like I was about to break into song. Crystal, Maya, Aurora, Celine, Kristen, Victoria, Adam, Bryn, Brandy, Kara, Kelly, Alicia, Nalling, Emily, Heidi, Mackenzie, Stephanie, Ashley, Jennifer, Lena, Vanessa, Sasha, Brett, Teresa, Elizabeth, Amber, Carla, Aaron, Shannon, and Amanda. Thank you so much. Like for real, thank you truly from the bottom of my heart because that support in that way, it really helps me be able to put this podcast out every week and dedicate the time to it that it takes because sometimes your girl can talk. <laughs> it takes me about five or six hours to get everything down to an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. You know, my dream one day is to have an hour long podcast. So we're working toward maybe in 2020, we'll finally get there. But yeah, just thank you so much. That helps tremendously. And you know, y'all listening and downloading and telling your friends about it and sticking around and leaving uh, reviews on iTunes helps so much and buying stuff from Teespring helps so much. And don't forget to use your code baddie to get 25% off. I'm pretty sure it's 25. I have to go check. Um, but yeah, it all just helps so much and it all contributes in some way and every little thing, just like tuning in every week, it makes this possible and this coven would be nothing without all of you. And so I, I have so much gratitude, like we're approaching Thanksgiving, even though I don't, I was going to say approve, like, hmm, I don't approve of that, even though I don't, uh, necessarily participate in the holiday because of the tradition and the legacy and the history of it. It still is a time for gratitude and for thankfulness. And so from the bottom of my heart, truly thank you all for everything. Okay, so now they're all been mushy and gushy. It's the perfect time to transition into talking about empaths. So what the hell is an empath? <laughs> okay, so this is my definition, how I describe it to people when, you know, I'm talking about myself. An empath is someone that basically feels all the things all the time. We are affected by people's mood. We are affected by people's energy. We are affected by just like the greater world in itself. Everything gets to us, but that doesn't necessarily, like it literally gets to us. It doesn't get to you in the way that it might necessarily be bothering you, but everything gets to you. <laughs> like you feel it all the time. And it's definitely an intuitive quality. And it's also a physical quality. Like people have found in studies that you will see like physical differences in the brains of people that are highly empathic and intuitive. And also you'll see it, um, that it can very much be like a hereditary trait. My mom is an empath. Well, she's a witch, but she's in denial about it. <laughs> my mom is an empath and everyone in my family, you know, has always pointed out that she's very sensitive. Like even to me when I was a little girl, I remember I was having a, com a little girl, how old was I? I don't know, like 13. I was having a, conversation with my cousin who's just a little bit older than me and she was like don't you ever notice how sensitive your mom is like if we are so one of Creole's favorite pastimes is to go out to like the family graveyard out in the country in Louisiana and so I would have to do this all the time growing up and every time we go everyone is like you know respectful and remembering and it's it's a very loving thing it's not uh, necessarily like somber or devastating and we bring our flowers we pay our respects but my mom would be the only one who would be like in full tears, like just tears streaming down her face. That's just one of the ways that she's like very sensitive. And I don't even think, of course it has to do with like our own family and how close my mom was to certain members of our older members in our family before they passed. But I think just the experience of being in a graveyard and you know, the death and the sorrow and, but also like the joyous moments and the happiness and happy tears as well. It was some combination of that that she would, I, <laughs> I kind of like tease her because whenever I am home with them for the holidays or, 
you know, I'm in town for whatever and we have to go out there. They, I'm telling you, Creole people love it. They do it all the time. They, they love that ancestral connection. But um, I always kind of tease her and we are like, uh, whenever we park, because I'll drive them out there, it's kind of far out in the country. I'll go, mom, are you going to cry? And she goes, no, I'm not going to cry this time. And then she comes back to the car and she's like fully in tears. But yeah, that is an empathic thing. If you, one of your parents or one of your like aunts or uncles, somewhere in your family, you see that as well. That's a good jumping off point to figure out if you are an empath too. So the signs that you are an empath. This is my list. I just wrote out everything I experienced or I just know about empaths in general that just kind of came to me. So it's not the be all end all list. Obviously, you could definitely experience different things um, or something I won't even mention. Or I might say, oh, you know, I cry all the time. <laughs> That's part of my empathic nature. And you might say, no, I never cry. That doesn't mean you're not an empath. This is just a general list that I threw together. So let's go through it. Uh, you sense and feel other people's emotions. So that's like the number one empath thing. It's not only that you can sense it and feel it around you, but you literally can feel it. Like if you are around someone that is really sad about something, you will start to feel sad. If you are around someone that is joyously happy, you will get that happiness. It's like other people's emotions are infectious to us and we really do take them on. So we are like highly, highly sensitive. And like the thing with the graveyard, um, if like when my mom goes, she'll start crying. And then if I saw her and started crying as well, I may not be having the same reaction to being in that situation that she does. But because I'm empathic, I'm picking up her emotions. Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope so. Right, I'm going to stop talking about graveyards. It's like really morbid. <laughs> so, but yeah, you sense and feel other people's emotions. <clears throat> so it's really valuable. Empaths, I think, even though we're exhausted all the time and it can be hard to be an empath and and you are, we'll get into that in a little bit, how you're kind of like targeted by certain kinds of people at times. Um, we really are valuable because we're people that you don't even have to turn to because we can suss it out ourselves. So let's say your best friend's just really having a bad day. But you know, a lot of people and especially a lot of women, they feel like they can't ever burden anyone else with their problems and ever talk about anything without even, they feel like they can't talk about something without even being like, Oh, I'm sorry. I have to bring this up. Like, no, you know, you're my friend. I care about you. Please talk to me about it. Please share this with me. It's not a burden. I love you and I care about you. And so for impasse, it's really great that what we can do is you might not have to like look at me and say, you know, I'm having a really bad day. I need to talk about it. I can go, Hey, it seems like you're having a really bad day. Do you need to talk about it? And it opens up that line of communication where people don't feel like they're bothering you. <laughs> you know, now as empaths, do people bother us? Yes, but those are specific people. And again, we will talk about it in just a little bit, but being sensitive and intuitive in the sense that we can sense things is really such an incredible asset to have. So even though some things along this this conversation, I will say about impasse that can be not negative, but can be draining. Uh, at the end of the day, I overall see being an empath as a good thing, a great thing, actually. So keep that in mind. I don't want to make it ever sound negative. But like anything in life, there are negative aspects, of course. Um, so yeah, sense and feel other people's emotions. That's like clue number one. Um, we have an overall stronger intuition than most, and we can read situations and people incredibly well. So, you know, when you just get a feeling, you're just like, mm, I don't know about that, man. I don't know if that's going to turn out good. 
Mine is incredible. Well, I feel. <laughs> Hi, um, real life friends listening to this. I'm going to drag y'all a little bit, but it's from a place of love. Well, I'm dragging you and dragging myself. I like notoriously never like my friends, boyfriends and girlfriends and partners. I, I just don't, um, like, and if I do like them, it's a big deal. And like, you know, that's the right person for you because a lot of the time I, I, I'm so like protective and in love with my friends that I want them to have someone that I feel like is exactly good for them. And it's a true match and a true partner. Y'all know how I feel about that and not settling. So empaths are really good at sussing out just people's character. You know, we, I can just tell that this person is going to, is full of red flags and they're not the right relationship for you. And I know you can never say that because they shoot the messenger and then your friends come back in two years and they're like, okay, you're totally right. <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't always, well, that's not true. I've always been right. But I haven't always disliked their boyfriends or girlfriends or partners. There's times where I'm like, oh, I love them. This is great. They're perfect for you. Like, go with it. But yeah, you can just tell what someone's intentions are. You can tell if their vibe is off, if they don't have your friend's best uh, best intentions at heart. And you can, you can suss out situations. Like, if their relationship gives you a weird feeling, you just know something off is there. Or if you see a friendship and you're like, there's an inequality here. Someone, someone's giving more than someone is. Is that, am I saying that right? Someone is taking more than someone is giving. Um, you know, it's when you are working on like a group project or you're, you go in for a job interview and you just know something is off with the building, with the people, with the person interviewing you. Just overall, I feel like being an empath makes you really good at spotting red flags, like really in tune to them. And a lot of people miss red flags and it's not, and it's it, sometimes it's just like willful ignorance because you really like this person or you think this might be your dream job and it's everything you ever wanted. And you know, you have a weird feeling about it, but it's, you know, it's probably just nothing. It's probably just nerves. But so red flags are really easy to ignore unless you're an empath, because if you're an empath, they're glaring, <laughs> they're glaringly red. And that's why for us, it's easier to spot them, see them and point them out to other people. Now, sometimes when we point them out, do we get ourselves in trouble? Yes, but ultimately we're trying to serve a greater good. <laughs> All right, next. Being in public can be overwhelming for you. Uh, so I said that really weird. Being in public can be over. Be <laughs> being in public can be overwhelming for you. There we go. Because I, I took notes on everything I was gonna say, so I'm like reading, talking. It's going great, y'all. I know. Um, so this can be anything from. You can't go to concerts, you can't go to festivals, you can't go to, uh, what's a big thing people go to? I don't go outside, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, like day, like those big things, exhibitions they have in the park, exhibitions, I sound a hundred, like the, that's the world's fair. Um, you know, well, they'll have, uh, what are those called? I guess they're called festivals too, where they have like all kinds of booths set up and there's vendors and artisans and, all, and live bands and all kinds of stuff. That can be overwhelming for you in a public sense, but also it can be really overwhelming for you just to go to the grocery store, just to go to uh, the post office. Anywhere where you're with a collective group of people can really take it out of you and really change your mood and really be exhausting. Um, for me, I, <laughs> my dislike, my, not dislike of music, but my Aversion to music, I feel like is going to come up a lot in this episode. I know it's weird. Just like stick with, love me anyway, please. But I, 
The first thing that I noticed where this was really affecting me as an empath is that I can't go to live music shows, concerts, I guess they're called. But even if I, uh, like, uh, when I was, like, growing up in Louisiana, live music is a huge thing here. And every restaurant, I swear, in town you would go to on a Friday night have a, had a live band playing and I could not physically take it. It's something about the energy of the people playing the music and, like, the intimacy that would just overwhelm me to the point where I would have a panic attack or like just break out because it was freaking me out so bad. So that's when I first kind of noticed it. Also, I noticed it a lot in my teen years where I was going through a spat of what I assumed at the time was social anxiety, where I just could not even go. I remember this one specific instance where I couldn't go to Barnes and Nobles. Like I was inside of there and I was so hyper aware of everyone and the way it felt and thinking people were staring at me and thinking that I just didn't quite fit in and belong and, you know, hormones and teenage puberty and your witchcraft all at the same time, you don't really belong. You become very aware of that as a witch kid, witch teenager. But yeah, it was, it was my empathic nature starting to rev up. I just was like, I'm awkward. I'm an awkward teen. So I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I can't do festivals. I can't do concerts. It is the intimacy is overwhelming to me. And I know it's weird to kind of talk about intimacy in a large crowd, but with the performer, there is like an intimate bond that is formed because they're giving you their art and you're receiving it and just being around that many people and just, man, bad funky intentions and bad moods and, you know, bad hearts in there. It can really, really get to you. So if you find yourself avoiding public places because it's overwhelming, it's draining, it's, it makes you anxious you just feel like you don't quite fit in. That's definitely a big sign of being an empath. Uh, empaths love to stay home. It's our favorite thing. Then, <laughs> and, and that's how I'm going to justify not having a social life. Okay. <clears throat> you are the therapist in situations. And it's not that empaths necessarily seek out to be therapists, to play that role. It is that a lot of the times, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, a lot of the times it will literally be thrust on us. Um, people just spill their guts to you. It's, it, it's something that I find comes out of nowhere. I've always been the kind of person, and I'm sure it's my empathic nature again, where people will just strike up conversation with me. But I mean, within minutes, people will tell me the most intimate details of their life. Like things I'm sure they aren't actually telling their real therapist, you know? They'll just throw things at you. And it's because they feel comfortable. As much as empaths can read other people's energies, as much as we can absorb them, it's it's a two-way street. You know, it's that it's a real transference. And so with us, they just immediately feel this this sense of calm and safety and trust. And they'll just throw whatever in our lap. The thing that I have found about being an empath and that kind of therapist role you very much get thrust in is that people tend to, people tend to not respect boundaries anyway, right? Because most people are entitled, unfortunately. But people especially don't respect an empath's boundaries because what we possess is really special. And it's something that almost, I feel like, can get addictive to the people around us. That they, and I'm thinking about one particular uh, person I used to be friends with. And it was like she was addicted to telling me her problems. And, he, and as empaths, here's the thing. We, we like doing playing that role. We like taking it on 
to an extent, for, to a healthy extent. And I love being there for my friends and that they feel like they can talk to me about anything and that they can share their most like intimate whatever with me. But when it becomes that the person is using you and when you tell them I need a break and they won't respond, they uh, won't respect it, that's where it becomes a problem. But yeah, <clears throat> being thrust into that therapist role, having literal strangers just spill things, you literally anything. Like I told you, there the episodes I recorded in Greece over the summer, um, I think it was uh, read, not read. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I, where I was talking about my, how I read Oracle cards and the process I go through, I think, uh, I was telling y'all how I was having breakfast with, uh, this woman in Greece that was running the property where I stayed and we were just having you know, this lovely conversation. All of a sudden she was like, yeah, my fiance died. Just laid it bare in front of me. And I was kind of taken aback and I feel like empaths were like, we're still people, obviously. So you're just kind of taken aback that a stranger will tell you like something so, so sacred to them. But also at the same time, I feel like it's very an honored position to be in that people feel so comfortable with you. Um, but yeah, the, we are the therapist of the, <laughs> the magical world because people will tell you literally anything and everything, things they haven't told their priest or their rabbi or their mom. Or, well, I mean, we keep a lot of secrets from our parents, I feel like but haven't even told their best friends. You will be the one who gets to receive it. Trust. Um, uh, you can feel who's around you without seeing them arrive. And basically this goes to the same thing of like, you can feel different frequencies, different vibrations, uh, different energies. So this, the example of this is I can always tell when my, like, cause I'm with my, uh, my parents for the holiday and I can always tell when my mom walks in the house versus when my dad works in the house oh, without fail. And I'll, <laughs> we're shouters in this family. So instead of just opening a door, like a polite person and going out and being, Oh, hi, how was your day? I'll go mom <laughs> you know, or dad and just scream to make sure it's either one of them. And I, you can just feel their energy. You can feel their presence. I have the same thing whenever I had my last uh, in office job before I was freelancing or blogging or whatever. I don't even know what to call it at this point because it's trans transformed so much full time. I could always tell when the boss of the whole business came into the building or when my particular boss came into the building or when our HR person became into the building, whoever it was, it's, it almost to me feels like a whoosh of air comes and hits you in the face. And it's like their energy is hitting you in the face. I don't know if that's how you experience it, but that's definitely a sign of being an empath. Not just that we can feel people's emotions and frequencies and vibrations, all of these things, but you can literally feel someone's like essence and aura when it enters, enters the space. It's kind of a fun game to play too. Like when I was at the office, cause we had 10 people that worked in there and when I would be in the back of the HR person, cause I was like really, really close to her and we would kiki all the time and I'd hear the door open and I would go, Oh, is that, you know, X, Y, Z. And she put out and she was like, how did she do that? And I'm like, I just, you just be knowing, you know, empaths just really do feel it. And we know. So that one. Okay. Whew, this one's one of my favorites. Well, it's petty, but it's one of my favorites. <laughs> you can change the, temp the temperature of a room. Your mood will set the mood. So <laughs> this is why I say that's petty. Because whenever I was, uh, how can I put it? Whenever I would be at like a party or like a boy girl gathering, I don't know what's called it. <laughs> like not a double date, but like a hang, everyone's hanging together. If the guy that I was like interested in 
was not showing me the attention that I <laughs> felt I deserved or was getting on my nerves or, um, you know, like flirting with someone or like whatever petty thing that you feel when you're like a late teens, early twenties kind of person, I would kind of affect this attitude of, well, if I'm not having a good time, then no one's having a good time, <laughs> which is terrible. Don't do that now. Even if you were a young listener, do not do it now. It's so petty. But yeah, it would be like, I could clam myself up in a way and sh- send out my energy away and like, and not affect, but I could position my physical body in a way where it would be like a chill would pass over the room. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't do that. That as impasse, we have to use our powers for good and not evil, right? Not that it's evil, but it's not the nicest thing to do to like affect the entire temperature and mood of everything. And it's something that I would, you know, kind of, I would use in a petty way and I've grown out of it now, thankfully, but we also can do it in the inverse, right? So instead of setting a chilly mood, you can come in with this amazing smile and this exuberance and this happiness and this joy, and it will literally just ping, 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 spread from person to person. So we should strive to make the temperature warm and not chilly because we have an attitude problem because the guy we like is flirting with someone else. (laughs) Don't do it. I'm going to not do it anymore from this day forward. No, I swear I haven't done it in like years and years. Okay, so another one. This is something that I experienced probably the most, top three, top three. Um, Empaths are very susceptible to phantom illness and injury. So what I mean by that is we can very much exhibit psychosomatic symptoms of things. If uh, empaths I find do have a tendency to be a little obsessive about their feelings and thoughts about other people's and thoughts because we kind of have to be like we can't turn it off. It's something that is always just swirling around us. And so I find that we are way more susceptible to um, aches and pains in the body, to um, headaches that don't have a cause and they'll kind of just come out of nowhere and then they'll go away once you've kind of resolved whatever the the energetic or emotional issue is. Um, We will feel sick like symptoms. For me personally, it's always like a flu-like symptoms that will start to hit me when I have a lot of energy in my space. I haven't cleansed myself. And I'm letting other people get to me too much. I don't have my boundaries or my guards up at all. But yeah, um, I find that a lot of the times empaths will go to the doctor because we are so convinced something is wrong with us. And we also get into our own heads a lot about something being wrong with us and that we talk about how fear is something that escalates itself and it's something that feeds off of itself. So put that into an empathic person where we're so powerful and we have every emotion and we have this energy that just radiates, radiates, radiates. Of course, fear comes to us specifically looking for us because we're just like, mm, like the most delicious little treat you can get in there and mess with. So, uh, you know, you go to the doctor and you're like, I'm having all these symptoms and they can't find something wrong with you. Sometimes that's a legitimate medical mystery. Sometimes, and a lot of times I've had this happen in my case, it's that I'm having psychosomatic phantom symptoms because I have gotten something into my head or I've been around a person that makes me feel sick and it's manifesting physically or I've taken on too much of just everything and I'm feeling too much. And so it expresses itself in my physical body. So that's something to look out for. And along those same lines is that we will have like sympathetic um, illness with others. So I'm pretty sure my dad is an empath as well. He is a cancer 
you know, cancers are very sensitive and they feel a lot of things, honey. So I have always suspected he might be, even though we always kind of ascribe it to incorrectly, by the way, to just, you know, cis women being like these very empathic creatures that everyone concerns to all the time. And we take on everyone's burdens. But the one instance I can think of with my dad is that, and I wasn't there, but <laughs> well, I was kind of there. When my mom was pregnant with me, she never had morning sickness. Never. Not one time did she get sick. But my dad was getting sick, like, all throughout her first trimester. And I think he was having sympathetic illness with her condition. And I've heard of that happening, you know, where men or, um, well, obviously not just men, but the partners in the situation who aren't experiencing the pregnancy will still take on the vibrations of the pregnancy and then have sympathetic illness. So that's something that empaths can do. We can, you know, not only can we like manifest our own kind of phantom, phantom symptoms, depending on what we're going through and what we're taking in. But if we're specifically around someone that is dealing with an illness or a sickness, then we will take that on as well physically. And <laughs> it will definitely express itself. So who do empaths attract? Well, here we go. <laughs> we attract everyone, but we specifically will attract energy vampires, people with bad vibes, narcissists, liars, users, abusers. So this is one of the negative traits of being an empath. I told you there's good and there's bad. Um, I don't know if, okay, so here's a TV show recommendation that I am truly obsessed with. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. So there's a version that I think is like from Australia New Zealand television. I'm not sure which one I think might be New Zealand. And then they just did a version for FX in America and it is brilliant. It is the most Britishy humor ever. I love it so much. It's about vampires. They mention witches here and there. It's not in the best light, but I'm still like, shout out. Love a good mention. But um, one of the vampires, very brilliantly in the series, is not the fangs and the bat and the cloak and the, you know, Transylvanian accent, but they're an energy vampire. So even though it's a very funny, very brilliantly written show, I would suggest watching it just to see how energy vampires function and how they drain you and that they are aware that they're draining you. There's a whole episode about energy uh, vampires where one is, oh gosh, how can I describe it? It basically shows you two different types. And one is one that like triggers sadness in people and then feeds off of that. And one is one that triggers like annoyance or boredom in people and feeds off of that. So check it out if you want to get like a full scope. If you're not, if you've never come across an energy vampire. But anyway, we attract them so much because they feed off of us they take it in they just want it like the essence that we have they want it for themselves and they will really attach to you you have to be so careful about the people that you let into your space and I know we can't control a lot of time like if you're sitting in a waiting room what are you going to do you just got to deal with it you know and cleanse when you get home but talking about new friendships talking about new relationships you have to be so careful because we really do attract a certain kind of awful, you know, not to scare anyone out there, but simply we have something in us that's so powerful and that's so desired and so envied by people that have bad, negative, like low vibrational energy that they seek it out because they, it's not something that they can produce themselves. So energy vampires, um, People with bad vibes will definitely try to attach themselves to you. And they are, especially like look out for someone that's like a narcissist or a liar, someone that's really selfish, um, someone that doesn't respect boundaries because they will mask all that to get close to you. There's, I feel like empaths 
we get hurt a lot because we are so sympathetic and compassionate and empathetic that we want to see the best in people. We want to be a helper and a healer and all of these things. And so it's not our first impulse to say, even though we do have very strong intuitions, it's not our first impulse to say, that's a bad person. I need to stay away from them. Our first impulse is like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm making a new friend. And people will absolutely mask themselves to get close to you. So you just have to work on that intuition side more and your discernment. And again, look for those red flags. It's really easy for empaths to see red flags in other people and not see them for ourselves. I am a living, breathing proof of that. Um, and, and just keep an eye on new people coming in. You know, that's how I am with the Facebook group. Like when it was first starting, cool, like everybody come in. But now you have to have that answer, right, honey? Or I can't let you in this group because I got to protect this space. We're going to have no energy vampires and no bad vibes up in here. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, users are something, a, something specifically to really look out for. And by that, I mean people that not just say they want to like borrow money from you or borrow your car or um, have you sign something for them and like do them a favor. I mean users in the sense where they will put upon you and put upon you and put upon you because sometimes it is a burden. You know, if you're my best friend and you're having a bad day, you sharing that with me is not a burden. If you are in my life and my role in your life is to take on all of your shit at all times and you never have the decency to ask me how I'm doing, to talk to me about my problems, you have to turn every conversation to something about you. It has to be about you, you, you all the time. That is a user and that is an abuser. And you have to let go of those people. And those are the people more than anyone else I feel like we attract. They want to make it all about them. And they will do little gestures to make you think they are a good person and they are a good friend to you. But they aren't. It is very, very superficial what they give to you. And what they take from you is very deep. Like the person I was kind of referencing earlier, she would always um, like take me to lunch or dinner. She would always offer to pick me up from the airport, which is fine. That's great. You know, people like things like that. She would, you know, bring me a little something here and there. But if all you're doing for me is buying me a sandwich and what I'm doing for you is taking on your life burdens and counseling you through everything and it's always an emergency and you can't stop talking about it and it's all the time and you never once check in on me, you're being used. So snip, 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 cut that out. <laughs> it's gotta go. Um, okay, we're also really sensitive to violent events in the media. Uh, for me in particular, I it's such a hard line, right? Because you want to be informed, but it's like, if I watch the news, it's going to ruin the rest of my night or week. Like, it is devastating to me. And I feel like especially American media, not to go into a tangent, is so prone to scare tactics. Like, my parents watch... Uh, NBC, ABC nightly news one with David Muir, which hubba hubba, but, <laughs> um, whenever I'm home with them, you know, and I'm not wherever I am traveling, whatever they watch it every night and just watching the way the stories come in and they present them and the way they do them before the commercial breaks, so you'll keep, you know, watching. It's so horrifying. And they are trying to scare the life out of you and make everything in life seem scary. And that's so unhealthy to take in. There are terrible things that happen all over the world every day, unfortunately, to good people, to bad people, to anyone. And we experience that in different degrees. But so we don't need to like compile that by making it horrifying, you know, on top of that. So I want to be an informed person, but like, I'm not going to watch this 
because it is triggering to me that those are triggers. Violent media is a trigger. Um, you know, the way they present the news, that's triggering the things that we see, we take them in so much deeper than everyone else. So we have to be really, really careful about that. And it is hard to strike the balance between I want to know what's going on in the world. But I also don't want to have to go into a deep depression because this has triggered my like natural empathic nature. So I don't say, you know, avoid it at all, because you have to be in the know, but let yourself take breaks from it. You know, say, take the news scroll or like the, um, I know a lot of people get like CNN updates and stuff that make, take it off your phone for a week and just, just decompress yourself because unfortunately bad things are always going to be happening in the world. So we'll always have to be abreast of it in certain situations, but yeah, it's extremely triggering to us. You have to be very, very careful with that. I can't watch anything violent, anything, <laughs> anything. It upsets me in a way that is like worrying. And I'm sure it's the same for other empaths out there. That it's not just like we get desensitized to it and we're seeing it too much anyway. It's that I, I will think about it for like days on end. And that's not healthy. You know, we got other stuff to deal with. We don't need to add that shit in there too. Um, Here is what <laughs> I mentioned earlier. You are a crybaby. Now, this might just be some of us out there. But it really is that we feel so much compassion as one of our main emotions that we just cry naturally at things. And they can be good things. You know, I... So, talking about the news again, how they'll give you, I don't know, 45 minutes of pure horror. And then in the last minute, they're like, and then tonight and feel good news. And they'll give you one story about like a soldier coming home and without fail or like, you know, someone's grandma, her last act on earth was to walk her down the aisle or and like they had the, they moved the wedding to the hospital, whatever it is, I will fully be in tears. <laughs> like it gets me every time, but that is part of being an empath. And I know I like make jokes about me being a crybaby because being a crybaby because I'm a water sign. I have all this water. But for us empaths, it's not even that you're crying like you're boohooing and that you feel you're overcome with emotion. It's just that you make some kind of connection and it really does like pull at your heart. And so I won't actively crying. I will just have tears going down my face. <laughs> like It's the same thing with my mom at the graveyard. She's not actively crying. She is just expressing crying. It's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of hard to explain other empaths out there that are listening and you experience the same thing. Let me know how you kind of can kind of explain it. But yeah, it's not that I'm like, Oh my God, literally just tears. I tears are the body's natural reaction, our emotional reaction to seeing something beautiful or moving or sad or whatever. And so I do that without consciously trying to have to do it. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. So empathic trait. Um, sensitive to noise. So to bring up my music thing again, it was definitely a progression. I used to love music. I used to love going to concerts, but around that 30 high, I'm becoming a witch. I'm leveling up area. I could not handle music anymore. Um, I just, I can't, uh, every so often a song might get through. I tried to listen to Summer Walker because I was like, damn, this girl is blowing up and I want to know what she's about. Everyone's saying they love her voice. Um, and it, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I do not seek out music. It's not something I have a desire for anymore. And it's because it's an auditory issue that I have developed. Um, and you'll, you will notice the same thing. It's something that I think an empath, em, empath, <laughs> is a gradual thing that happens. Uh, you might also have found that you can't enjoy music anymore. Well, not any music. Obviously I will listen to Stevie Nicks until the day I leave this earth. 
but uh, any new music or you find that someone honking their horn, someone just talking really loudly, someone chewing loudly. Um, you know what also really bothers me, which I think is so bizarre. I hate whispering. I hate ASMR whispering or well, like it became a trend. So I would, I was hearing it so much more, but I hate whispering with all of my heart. And to me, it sounds really loud and it really, really triggers me. Um, so you would think it would be something like screaming, laughing, just people being obnoxious at the top of their lungs. No, I will go into a rage if someone is whispering. Like <laughs> My friends even know if they're like, oh, you should watch this TV show or a movie, but the person like whispers in it or talks really lowly. So you can't because you're going to get so angry. It is so true. So also if you're an empath, let me know if whispering bothers you. But yeah, uh, something, you know, I, not, I don't want to rag on kids for being loud because kids are loud. They like to play and scream and have fun. But it's something that I've also noticed I've gotten really, really sensitive to is kids screaming and kids playing. Like, I'm never going to be the person to be like, tell that kid to shut up. But I have to kind of be like, just take a deep breath. Like, it's, you know, kids scream. It's okay. It's not their fault. They like to be loud and play and have fun. You know, we're outside. I can't get mad at them. <laughs> but it's definitely something that will become a trigger for you. And it will at sometimes feel even physically painful for you. If you hear a, a like alarm going off or a car honking, things like that, you will actually feel pain in your ear because you are, you become so sensitive to noise over time. So that's a fun one. In <laughs> um, we tend to be more of an introvert. We like to stay home. We like to keep to ourselves. We like our own little world, but a lot of the times we will present to the world or be treated to treated by the world as an extrovert which again turns around to that thing of, I'm going to dump all my problems to you. Or hi, person staying next to me. I am going to just strike up a conversation because there is something in you that I know in my heart and in my nature is empathic, even though I can't name it. So here, here I go. You know, So um, I say a lot of the time, I'm a very shy person. I know it does not come off as that. I present as an extrovert. All of my jobs are public facing. I know that. <laughs> I chose a weird path for someone who's very shy, but I am. I'm incredibly shy. And it's hard for me. And I'm sure a lot of you are the same way. Even if you don't classify yourself as shy, but you feel introverted, but you attract people and you have to go back to last week's episode, that kind of magnetism. I know it can be really hard for you and me and people like that that people want to just be around you. They want to strike up a conversation with you. They will not leave your side. I've been to so many social events and my ex before Patrick, who was my Swedish ex, my military ex, he, something I always admired in him and was so envious of was that he could talk to anyone. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, he was probably just bothering a bunch of empaths, which isn't good, but he could talk to anyone, walk into a room, strike up a conversation, be so comfortable with himself. And I really wish that was me because I am very shy, especially in like a, uh, an event or a bar or a club where it's like 30 to 50 people. And it's just enough where you feel like you can just sit in the corner, but it's not so much that you feel like you can get lost in the crowd. You know what I mean? But yeah, we're treated like extroverts, but we are very much introverts. Shyness is very, very, very common because we're sensitive and we're, you know, just kind of in our own shell, trying not to experience too much because it can be so draining to us. But the rest of the world has decided that we're its therapist. So we're going to get it whether we want to or not. Um. Oh, this is a fun one. So we have an overwhelming love for animals and babies. That is an extension of us just being very, very connected to nature. We are driven by nature, healed by nature. And, um... It's over when I say overwhelming, it's like if you pick up a 
kitten or a baby or a puppy or a baby piglet, which is my dream, you just start crying. <laughs> like the connections and the emotions that you feel, especially with animals and babies are so pure and it kind of floods over you and you will just start crying. I am known to cry while holding many an animal. Um, sometimes I cry when I'm just holding my dog because I love her so much. <laughs> and I, as you all know, I am child free. If it's your first episode, hi, I am a child free person. I will never have kids that is a decision that is right for me. And it doesn't have to be anyone else's decision, but that's what works for me. And, um, I don't ever go too deep into it because I don't want to offend anyone that is, have made the decision to be a parent. But, uh, I will say I am not the biggest fan of kids ever. Not to be like, I hate kids. They're like, no, if I see a kid and they say hi to me or they wave at me in the grocery store or, you know, come up to me and want to start talking. Like, yeah, I'll be like, Hey dude, what's up? <laughs> but I'm never going to like seek out hanging out with kids. I don't really know how to talk to them. I don't really know what to do with them. I didn't like kids when I was a kid. I've always been like an adult, you know? <laughs> so I just don't really vibe with kids that well, but I love babies. I love them. Oh, I love babies so much. And that's what I always tell people like, People in my personal life who know that I'm child-free and, like, so not into the parent or kid thing, um, they'll be like, oh, you like babies? I'm like, yeah, I'm not a monster. I love babies. <laughs> like the cute. Not that if you, if you don't like any kids or babies, that's totally fine. But I love them. They're so sweet and pure and cute. And you, I do feel like an empathic connection with them and just the little, like, the little cuteness that the, like, little energies that they're going to grow to be entering this world with in, like, such a fresh place. And so, yeah, sometimes I will just lose my mind over a baby <laughs> or cry over a dog or a cat or whatever. Oh, when I was in Bali, if you watch my Instagram stories, you saw that I was feeding a pig and literally was like on the verge of tears because I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. So it's that kind of not like, oh, that's a cute dog or oh, that's such a cute baby. Like, give it to me. I have to smother it in kisses kind of connection. That is your sign of being an empath. Next up, you are overwhelmed, that word again, by commitment and intimate relationships. Hi, that's me. I mean, I know all of this is relating to me because I wrote the list and it's kind of stuff I know to be true about being an empath myself, but this is the one that like sticks out the most for me. Um, as you all know, I've said in multiple episodes, I really like being single. I am not in a place where I want a relationship. I don't necessarily do really great with them. And that is an empathic thing. I mean, it's a lot of things, but it's definitely being an empath plays a part into it because intimacy is very scary for empaths because again, we feel everything on such a deep level. We take on other people's shit all the time and empaths are really into their freedom and being an individual and being kind of that introverted self as well. And so we fear commitment in relationships or we can fear commitment in relationships because we are so afraid of that vulnerability, but also of taking on someone else's world and having to be their world. It's just a lot for us. It is, again, the, I mean, the perfect word is literally overwhelming. It is an overwhelming prospect to us. Not to say that if you are an empath, you absolutely won't thrive in romantic relationships. Of course you will, because you are such a good partner, because you're empathic. But for some of us, it can be really terrifying. And the prospect of losing myself to a relationship is the number one reason I don't know if I ever want to be in a relationship. And it's also the number one reason I, well, that's not true. I have a lot of reasons I didn't want to have kids, but one of them definitely is I don't want to ever be so wrapped up in being a parent or being a partner that I lose myself because my freedom is the number one most important thing to me in this world. And 
losing my freedom or losing my independence or not even losing it, but it just transforming right through these other relationships that you, you build and you bond and you birth, for example, um, that's a big fear for me. And that does come from an empathic place because I know how overwhelmed and all consumed I can get with other people and whatever they're going through. So, um, that's one that again, not for everybody, but it did when I figured that out and put it together, I was like, okay, so I'm not as crazy as I think I am close, <laughs> but it turns out some of my relationship and intimacy, because it's, for me, it is about intimacy and com commitment. Those are the things that stop me from being with someone else. Those are the things that turn me off about being with someone else. Um, that is coming from me as an empath and it made me feel better about it. I didn't feel like such a weirdo because everyone else is like searching for these things. Why can't I just chill out and do it too? Well, because it's my nature. Not to say I won't. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm still trying to do a Bill Skarsgård, just having that baby behind my back. <laughs> Even though I have made my lateral move over to Alex. Like, I'm, you know, I'm still dealing with that hurt. Okay. Uh, you are most likely a healer and have been described as having a calming and overall good energy. Don't, who doesn't love a compliment? So yeah, we obviously attract people that need to be healed. We attract um, kind of broken bird syndrome, you know, not only do we attract those people, but we seek out those people, even if we don't know it yet, there's something in their energy that attracts us to them. And then you find out there's all this baggage, right? And we all have baggage, obviously. But um, we, t I went through a phase where every guy I met on Tinder had like some broken bird issue. And I would have, I, I never knew, like they never told me until I met them in person and it made me wonder, like, what is it in me that is attracted to this? Because obviously, it's like, a, again, a two-way street. I'm attracted to it, and I'm attracting them because I'm an empath. And it's, you know, it's it's transferring. But <laughs> I don't know what it was, except perhaps that it was my need to act out my healing, my my healing abilities, or like my need to heal someone else, and them being attracted to me as someone who could potentially heal them. You know, does that make sense? Um, so yeah, we are healers for sure. That's why we get, again, people just spilling their guts to us. We are great at giving advice. We are great listeners. We're not the kind of people that's like, okay, you talk. And while you're talking, I'm thinking about all the things I want to say because this is actually about me. No, 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 no. Those are the people, again, that empaths attract. We are genuine listeners. We really care about people. We really care about helping them as much as we can, honestly, a lot of the time, like to the detriment of ourselves, we will make ourselves sick, we will drain ourselves, we will exhaust ourselves, we will spread ourselves too thin, trying to be everything to anyone else. And sometimes it can just literally be people you just met. And you feel like you are just taking on all this stuff. And you kind of feel like you have to because you want to help them. That's the thing we want to help people. And that is a detriment to us too. Empaths have a hard time establishing boundaries. But we will circle back to that. Yeah, um, the healing thing for sure. And of course, healing can be a beautiful, amazing, miraculous thing. So we attract people that are legitimately in need of healing or help and we help them. And that is such a beautiful relationship between empaths and people that seek them out. So not all bad, you know. Um, but yeah, if you've ever been someone told you, oh my gosh, you just have like such a calming nature. Like I just feel so good when I'm around you. You're so positive. You are, never complain about anything. You're always smiling, like that kind of stuff you're probably an empath. You know, people seek it out in us and they can identify it in us, even though they don't know exactly what to call it. Um, just good vibes. You're just one that has good vibes and other people take note of it. That's it. 
Um, okay, so amazing listener and advice giver. We already did that one. Uh, just for the advice thing one more time, I feel like empaths more times than not tend to have a very old soul. So we tend to have a lot of wisdom to pass on that is beyond our years. I think like we've been here before. That's also part of the reason we're so damn tired, not just because people are draining the life out of us. So if you've been told a lot that you seem really mature for your age or you give really amazing advice and you seem wise beyond your years, you're probably an empath because this is something not only have you cultivated this in this lifetime, but it's something that has definitely followed you through many lifetimes. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, amazing listener. You give really good advice. The thing about that is the, that is something else that can attract the people with the not great energy and the not great intentions because they want to take up so much of that time and energy from you. But it's something that definitely attracts great people too that are just in need of a little help or an ear or, you know, they feel like they can trust you and take advice from you. And that, that overall is a good thing. Um, so the thing I keep saying, you experience being trained a lot, <laughs> having the life sucked out of you. So uh, not to make it sound dramatic, but I mean, we all know how it feels. If you're an empath, it's just, <sighs> you will see that people will take and take and take and take until there's nothing left. It's very like the giving tree of it all, you know, and at the end, you're just a stump that can't even do anything or function. And so that is extremely common in empaths. And that was the thing I think I said way back in those early episodes, if there, there was one thing I could like trade or tamp down or like give away from who I am as a witch, the being drained, the ha feeling like I just literally have no energy to even form a thought or a sentence because of other people taking it out of me or, you know, not even the people that like approach you and want to, I mean, not want to take, like not just the good people, not just the bad people, not just the good people, but just being in public spaces and just you know, being next to someone that had a bad attitude on a train or whatever, it all accumulates and it builds up. And you do get to this point where you feel like you're going to break, where you feel like you just can't take anymore. You have nothing left inside of you. And so, yeah, that to me, that is the biggest downside of being an empath. And that's, you know, talking about Summer Walker again, and she was talking about hugging people and like the energy, energy transference and that <clears throat> voice don't fail me now. Um, that kind of physical contact is extremely potent, extremely. And if someone is like putting their bad energy, literally skin to skin into your body, of course you're going to feel like she says she'll feel like she's literally dying. Like you will feel like you have nothing else inside of you. You will get those physically sick symptoms. You know, maybe you really will be like vomiting or having stomach problems or having the migraines, having overall pains, even running a fever, like all that stuff can happen. So that's why we have to be really careful as empaths and we have to protect ourselves. So we're going to jump to that in just a second. But, um, yeah, you will, if there's times where you're like, I can't get out of bed, what the hell is going on? You could definitely be an empath and take a look at, you know, what situations you've found yourself in recently, what kind of people have you interacted with? And if you've done nothing to protect yourself as a witch or as a magical being or as an empath, you know, you don't have to be a witch to be an empath or vice versa. Um, you, you'll start to see how it does build up and how, when you get to that one day where your depression is, you know, higher than usual, or if it, it kind of hits you out of nowhere, if you're feeling more anxious, if you're feeling really exhausted, all of those are symptoms of being a highly empathic person. Um, what else did I write down? Oh, the last thing is just that you thrive in a peaceful and calm environment. So the opposite of like getting to the point where you feel so drained, and just everything has been taken out of you. 
you know, being around fearful people, being around negative people, being around quote unquote bad people and however that manifests itself will take you out. The thing that will uplift you and make you thrive is being around peace and calm. And if that means just being by yourself, because again, we tend to be introverted, or if that means just being around people that bring you peace and calm, your friends, your family, your spouse, your, your children, you know, whoever it may be, um, in solitude or with others, that is the place where we are going to like level up as empaths. And then we can recharge ourselves, which we absolutely have to do. And then we're prepared to face the craziness of the world again and turn on the news and be like, there goes my calm. Never mind. It shattered immediately. <laughs> Thanks, David Muir. Okay. So that's just my list. Hopefully something resonated with you. Hopefully you go, oh yeah, that happens to me too, or I feel that too. If you didn't, doesn't mean you're not an empath. Just means that we're not the exact same kind of empath, which is totally fine. So how to protect yourself as an empath. The number one thing to me is that you have to establish boundaries. You have to. And baby, let me tell you something. You are going to get pushback on that. And it's really disappointing when it happens, but it does happen. I was in a group chat with um, three other bloggers, like influencers, a couple of years ago. We were all friends. And they would... And this was also when I was in my 30th birthday space, you know, starting to level up. I'm starting to feel everything much more. And they would just spend, oh, me too. I can't just say they, all four of us would just spend all day, like sending pictures and like critiquing people and like poking fun at people and saying nasty, negative things. And as my transformation was happening and I knew I didn't want to just like bring negativity into my life when I'm already facing it from the outside world and it's already affecting me no matter what I do, I didn't want to exacerbate that. So I sent a message to the group chat and I was just like, hey, can we just like take a break from all this negativity? I just, I, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be in that headspace. It doesn't feel good to me. Let's just like cut it out for a while. And when I tell you, instead of being like, yeah, you know, I've kind of been feeling the same way. Or, you know what? That's kind of a good idea. Let's just chill out on being so nasty and negative. Or, um, yeah, girl, we support you. Like, no problem. We'll, we'll just, we'll definitely change it up. You know, in fact, what I said uh, specifically was, I cannot take on any more negativity or bad news. So please only send me like positive and good things just for this time period, because that that's all I can kind of take right now. One girl. Uh, so the reaction I was expecting was like, yeah, girl, let's focus on the positive. What I got was one girl just didn't talk to me for like days and finally sent me a text like five or six days later. Like, I don't know when you said, um, sorry, I had to like take a break because when you said I can't send you anything like negative anymore, I felt like I couldn't talk to you and like you wouldn't be there for me. And, um, like you were telling me that you weren't the kind of friend I could talk to. And I was like, so can you only talk about negative things? <laughs> like what's going on in your life? And ding, ding, ding. Perhaps that is a red flag that my empathic nature has been searching for. Right. So yeah, one just radio silenced me, no support, no asking me, well, like, what are you going through? Like, how can I help you? And like, there's your journey on trying to be more positive. Just, oh, when you said that it put me in like a really negative place because I couldn't, you know, talk to you and, and tell you, share the things that I felt like I wanted to tell you and not have any concern about how they affect you. One girl just ignored it. Um, she lasted like 24 hours, 28 hours, and then sort of started being negative again. So red flag again. And one girl was like, I don't understand. Like, 
you know, we're just talking amongst ourselves as bloggers and everyone does this. And I was like, yeah, everyone can do it, but it's not the thing that is healthy for me right now. And it's not something that I just don't want to be a nasty, negative person making fun of people. Like that doesn't put money in my pocket. That doesn't get me more campaigns. That doesn't make me have higher follower numbers than they do. So <laughs> no one took it well, but still we do our boundaries for us. We don't do them for other people. We establish our boundaries. Well, we do sometimes because it can positively affect other people, the boundaries that we set in place, because there might be like a codependence or something. But our boundaries are our boundaries. We do them for ourselves and other people can't respect them. They can get the hell out, to be honest, like not to be mean, but you can get the hell away from me if you can't respect my boundaries, because that means you don't respect my friendship or me as a person. And you don't care about my well-being. So um, establishing boundaries, huge. That is the number one way we can protect ourselves. If you have to tell people, hey, I'm not receiving any negative news for the next two weeks. If you have to tell someone, you know, pray about it. Tell your friend, tell your wife, tell you. That's why I tell people too. I was like, go talk to your boyfriend about this. Talk to your husband. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your therapist. Like there has to be someone else you can talk to aside from me. And like, I'm sure you'll experience that same kind of frustration. Just, you have to give this to someone else. I cannot take on all of these things all the time. I did not sign up for this, you know? Um, but, you know, people want to make them about, want to make it about themselves and feel entitled to your magic in all kinds of ways. But yeah, um, you have to set up boundaries and if people can't respect, but yeah, so if you want to, let's go back to that. So if you want to say, listen, two weeks, a month, I don't want to hear any negative news. I don't want to hear anything negative. If you need me, of course, I'm here for you as your friend if something really happens. But just like this everyday pettiness, I can't do it. If you want to say, listen, I'm turning my phone off for 72 hours. I, if you have something that you needed to share with me, I will get back to you on Monday, but I have to recharge this weekend. I have to take this to myself. Um, you know, it's just all kinds of ways that we do that kind of thing. I think I told someone else, if there's like a particular topic, um, my friend, the one that I've kind of referenced throughout this episode, uh, the one that just took advantage of my, my magic, honestly. Um, I finally had to tell her there was one subject that had to do with her job that she would harp on constantly, constantly. And I finally had to tell her, listen, I love you. I support you. I've talked to you about this ad nauseum, but I cannot talk about this topic again. I cannot, and I will not. So even if you just have to isolate a specific topic that, you know, this person in your life is obsessing over a lot of times, it'll be a boyfriend. It'll be some guy that didn't call back, you know, kind of that old trope. You are within your power and you are, it is your responsibility and it is your right to say, I am not discussing this anymore. I've given you all the advice that I can give you. We are going around in circles and I, I simply cannot give this anymore of my energy. I, my energy is precious and I have to preserve it. You know, what if I need a little bit of my energy and I've given it all away to everyone else? I've drained myself. So definitely number one thing, establish boundaries. And if people aren't willing to respect your boundaries, then cut it. I'm not saying you have to 100% cut someone out of your life, you know, absolutely not. But cut off the access that you've been giving them if they're if they have shown you that they cannot respect your wishes. Boundaries. Boundaries are so important. <laughs> okay. So, outside of establishing boundaries, another way you can protect yourself as an empath is to wear a shielding crystal or a crystal that repels. We are again talking about our beautiful black crystals. Mm, There's so many good ones. <laughs> they just will send that negative negativity right the hell back to where it came from. Um, the same thing with wearing a protective amulet that you have blessed. The same thing with wearing like a protective pouch. So, you know, you can add in, so you get like a little leather pouch and you can add in your crystal. Uh, for me, I would do, 
a black tourmaline or an obsidian to like repel it back or maybe even like a tiny shard well not a tiny shard but like a shard of selenite you know selenite wands can be like huge they <laughs> sell like big chunks of selenite um and then i would put in a little like uh, a fragment of a mirror so actually physically like reflect it back and then whatever oils or herbs you feel like are protective to you and really ground you and make you feel safe and protected. Um, you know, I'm a cinnamon queen, so I might throw in some cinnamon in there, but it's just a little thing that you can even just tuck inside your shirt or your dress or your jacket or whatever and wear it around yourself close to your hot chakra to send that shit back to where it came from and to give you protection over yourself, over your energy and over your aura. There is always a good old salt bath. <laughs> you can rinse that shit away. So you you know the drill by now. Get in the tub. Get in your in there with your sea salt and just let it just suck up and soak out those energies that you've been dealing with away. Let them literally lift off of your actual skin. And if you don't have the bathtub, you can always mix a bowl of salt water uh, together and just pour it over your shoulder in the shower. Just make sure you're in the shower so you're not just like splish splashing all over your bathroom and making a mess that's going to stress you out even more. Um, always burning a good black or white candle when you get home. Black to lift and remove the negative energy. White to purify and freshen the space and freshen your spirit. Because you're just taking it in. I always love to use those two in conjunction with each other because you have to remove and replace. Um, selenite, again, If whenever I have done a ton of readings, especially if I've done public readings, which can be a big drain too, obvious, um, it's a drain because you're doing a spiritual transference and you're communicating with like a higher power or, or like another entity or another spirit. But also because, again, you're taking in people's stuff and you're taking in major stuff. I mean, sometimes it's like, the easiest ones to do for me are about career and job because it's important and people have a personal connection to it, but it's not like as intimate. But when I do readings about fertility, about love, about relationships, it can take everything, everything out of you. So after each reading, I wave selenite all over my whole body. And when I get home, I mean, literally like they're scanning you at the airport. Like I scan every part of myself with that selenite focusing on my chakras in particularly and my upper three in particular. But yeah, a Wanda Selenite, cast a cleansing spell over yourself with that because readings in particular, you take on everything. It's like a double exhausting experience because of the transference and because of people, you know, they're kind of like mini, mini therapy sessions, to be honest. So there's that rule again that comes up. That's why empaths make incredible card readers. Um, anything else that I wrote down? Oh, and of course you can cast a protection spell. You can go through and do like a full out cast a circle, cast your spell, protect yourself. Um, cast a, uh, visualize like casting a purple light around yourself or a white light or like opaque to, you know, just if the, the energy is zoo, 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 flying your way and, boing, and it just bounces off like flubber, if you will. And also, you know, one of the great ways to protect yourself is just to avoid public spaces if that's what you need to do. That's part of setting your own boundaries. If you have to, if you're the kind of person where you're like really stressed out because you have a long to-do list and you're like, I have to go to the bank and the post office and da -da 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 XYZ, it's okay to give yourself permission to be like, I cannot do that today. I can, I'm going to do it tomorrow. It's not life or death. Unless it is life or death, you know, take care of it. But it's not life or death. I can get milk tomorrow. I just won't have cereal today because I cannot go in public and just take on anything that is stagnant and lingering because it might not even be you know the cashier you're face face to face with or the person next to you in the aisle it could be that someone came in there with the foulest energy stunk up the entire place and you as an empath walks in and it's like a vacuum cleaner to dirt all of a sudden it's 
you know, whoosh. And it's, it's in you and it's on you. And it's just, the stink is there. So give yourself permission to be like, I cannot handle going outside today. I will take a day to chill it out. I will rest and recover and I'll run my errands tomorrow or I'll do as many as I can. And if I feel myself getting overwhelmed, if I feel a headache coming on, if I feel like there's just energy that is trying to take me down today, we'll try again tomorrow. You know, so it's like establish your boundaries, watch your own pacing and don't be so hard on yourself if you just can't do it today. It's hard. It is a hard time of year. We keep talking about this, but it's dark. It's cold. It's depressing outside. Anxieties are high. There's just too much going on. So give yourself a break. It's another way that you can protect yourself as an empath. Just cut yourself some slack because we certainly deserve it, right? And we certainly deserve good. So don't freak yourself out about it too much. So those are all the protections that I wrote down. So that is it. We have gone through our empath episode. So for your crystal of the week, um, I want to, you know, so I always try to do a crystal that like aligns with the thing that we're talking about, but most of the, almost all of the crystals that are really good for empaths, I've covered, you know, at 44, 45 weeks at this point, kind of a lot of crystals in it. I know we took a couple of weeks off, but that's a lot of crystals. Um, so, you know, focus on the ones that we've already learned about and you're familiar with Nile, Nile, <laughs> now. So your amethyst, your howlite your um, hematite, your black obsidian, your Apache tear, your uh, black tourmaline, your malachite. I know I'm forgetting some. Did I say rose quartz, amethyst, all of those that, you know, we've talked about early, day, early days because they're so like witch 101 and so important to our craft. Um, but yeah, so there's not a new particular one. Oh, also tiger's eye is really good for empaths. So yeah, it's all ones that we know by now. So just kind of revisit those, you know, brush up on them and what exactly they do and which ones are good for repelling versus protecting versus bringing love into the situation to protect yourself overall. Um, and, you know, I would look at what, that to be your homework, actually. If um, you have identified yourself as an empath, either before this episode or through this episode, I want you to find the crystal or the herb or the potion concoction um, whatever it may be that will protect you as an empath, because that is what's so important. We're empaths where we want to be or not. We're witches whether we want to be or not, you know, but the thing is how do we protect ourselves? How do we cleanse it all out? So your homework is to just find which stone or which thing works with your frequency, which one is the one that you should make a habit of carrying with you and keeping on you. Because like we said, being an empath is something that is exposed all the time and it's affected all the time. So I know I keep saying it, but like going to the grocery store, going to the post office, going to the bank, especially the post office. I leave the post office in like the funkiest mood. I feel like there's one that I just won't, won't go to because it has got bad energy. It's the, the people working there got bad energy. The people in there got bad energy. Cause that's the one they have to go to. So everybody has a bad attitude about everything. <laughs> I found one that's a little better or like, you know, the DMV is like the classic examples. Everyone is in a funk. So yeah, we should get into the habit of protecting ourselves, always cleansing out, always taking those salt baths, um, meditating on releasing those energies is a good one. But yeah, just find the protective thing, the amulet, whatever it may be that works for you. That is your homework this week. Kind of go back and deep dive those crystals, see which one really works with what kind of empath you are and anything else. I think that's it. So we can say goodbye until next week. So the Facebook group, the answer is the craft. Um, I love your creative answers. Uh, flubber and blubber are always still a favorite of mine. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, the Badwitch podcast at gmail.com. I am very behind on emails. Don't drag me. I'm trying to get caught up this week. It's just, whew, y'all, it's been a lot. 
Um, Patreon.com slash badwitch. I may have an announcement about Patreon, but I'm not quite sure yet. So let me not jump the gun. But, you know, watch this space, which you do because you're listening. And... Oh, Teespring and uh, 25% off with code Batty and the link is in the episode notes and also it is in the Facebook group and also I can send you to send it to you if you need it. All right, my loves, you little beautiful empaths out there, protect yourself, put your boundaries up. Don't let anybody just drain the life out of you because you're too precious to me and you're too good and you deserve good, even though we're bad witches. All right, I love you so much. Blessed be until next week. Goodbye. <laughs>